Welcome to The Working Ant with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ant. Let's go ahead and kick things off. Um, and in true style, uh, just I'll read, a, I'll read a quote that sort of uh, resonated with me in relation to the topic of our discussion today. This is from Alice Hoffman. If you don't know who Alice Hoffman is, uh, she's a great children's book author. I think she's based out of uh, New York. Um, I'm not sure how many more books she's actually written uh, these days, but she's a great uh, children's book uh, author, writer. I think she talks a lot about morals and desires and emotional intelligence and things of that nature from a developmental aspect. But nevertheless, I, I, love, I love this quote of hers. And she says, people hide their truest nature. I understand that. I even applauded it. What sort of world would it be if people bled all over the sidewalks, if they wept under trees, smacked whoever they despised, kissed strangers, and revealed themselves. Interesting, interesting sort of like statement. And so this is sort of like, you know, when I when I read something like this, I think about, you know, our, our social selves. And so how we've actually been refined over time to do specific things and not to do others. And through that, and through that, through this, you know, this, this social self of ours, I, I find that a lot of things get lost. And if they don't get lost, they become toned down. And specifically, in our time with one another today, we're going to talk about the, the toning down of those sorts of emotions. And this is not like an extreme sense of like toning things down, but this should actually resonate with you because as we grow professionally um, and mature in our careers, you know, I'm not sure about you, but, you know, we can often find ourselves experiencing less frequent emotions at the very, very least that we once had right? Less frequent emotions, less frequent of what once was just a, a daily part of what we felt dur during the day. And that's, that's obvious, right? I mean, in many ways, li life just happens. But, you know, in fact, you know, these less frequent emotions we once had are actually some of those we actually once celebrated at once upon a time, right? Emotions that we were actually known for amongst like our peers and, and, and known for amongst our friends, right? Oh, you, you, you've got to speak to this person. Uh, th they're hilarious. Or you've got to speak to this person. They, 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 they get to, to, to listen to you just so deep. They're just amazing the way they, they resonate with you or, or this particular individual who's always so hyper and so energetic or this one who's, who's so loving. And oh, if you, or if you meet this person, oh my gosh, they are happy all the time. They've taken a happy pill, right? Or, or the other side of things like, oh, this person is just so calm and collected all the time. But nevertheless, right? You know, there are emotions we feel less frequently these days. And there are emotions that today, um, if, if some of the people that recognized us for particular emotions in the past that saw us in our form today would be like, I don't recognize you that as much as, as you used to be. I mean, it seems like something's gone on in, in your life. You know, why the change? I, I've known you for being in a particular way. And it seems like, you know, some, somewhere along the way that, that may have been lost. You know, and many of my clients have said that it was much harder for them today to smile and laugh at the workplace. It's not because they were unhappy, by the way. It's not because they were unhappy. But that spark of emotions 
getting as strong as it once was is much more difficult for many of us today. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the happiness side of things. It could be many other different types of emotions that we once used to experience in a much stronger way that today, when we experience them, they don't resonate with us as they once used to. We don't feel those same emotions that we are actually projecting or deliberately trying to project onto others. Um, you know, people still chuckle, you know, at office humor, you know, people can still write personal, personalized message messages to their teams and their peers. But the strength of those emotions they once had, that rawness, that rawness of emotions that they once had, instead became more measured. And just take a moment here just to think about that for, for, for a second here. Like, you know, did you once have a particular emotion that was very, very raw? It was actually there. It was, it was very prevalent in the way you conducted yourself on a day-to-day -day, uh, day -day level or, or your interactions uh, socially uh, with other people. A particular like raw emotion that was very prevalent in your life. Uh, it was very raw. Ask yourself if you know, that particular emotion is now much more measured uh, than it used to be. And if it is, you know, that's typically very, very normal um, as we mature and we grow in our careers. I, I want you today to understand you know, why that is and why it's important, of course, to, to connect with that sort of raw emotion that got you to, to where you are today. I mean, a part, of, a part of you, a part of that has been there. It's still there. It hasn't gone away. It just may feel more measured today as it once was um, in the past. You know, and I get these, these, these comments from my clients um, over the years, and you know, some of them are as follows, like, you know, uh, you know, I smile behind, but behind the smile, you know, I feel a little stale, Rami. And that was something that I got last week. You know, I'll laugh, but it takes a much shorter time for me to get over it and just move on. So the humor doesn't last as long as it used to be. Or, you know, how about this? Like, I can get upset. I can actually get upset but I don't let it get to me as, I, as, as it once did. You know, actually, who would want that anyways, right? Or, you know, I'll meet someone, but the connection tentacles, like these connection tentacles that I, that I once had are not as strong as they used to be. And yet, you know, there are these same individuals that will share that I still, you know, can get triggered, but it's a, you know, quick sort of trigger. And, and, and many times it's trivial in nature. And what it exactly was that I was getting triggered over, I'm not 100% sure, but it doesn't really call for having such a, a trigger of an emotion. It's not something that I've experienced before. And yes, you know, while I'm moody, I can get more quiet now. And instead of interacting normally, I'll retreat a little bit until I feel better before engaging my peers again. So it's like this measured sort of approach to our emotions. And that, you know, as we, as we, grow older, as we mature in our professional careers, th those emotions we once had are, are no longer as strong as they used to be. Um, and so what that's actually doing is, you know, preventing us in some way of, you know, kind of tapping into just what makes us so unique, right? Amplifying emotions so that others can be affected by it in such a positive way. And many of times, right, I mean, you know, emotional amplifications in this particular case, you know, are just a shadow of their former self. And that to me 
is unfortunate. And I'm not saying here that we have to, you know, amplify emotions when it doesn't call for us to amplify those emotions. But I'm just talking about you between yourself, right? You know, being able to feel certain things that you once felt that were actually beautiful. Of course, some of the things may have gotten you in trouble before in the way you felt them and, you know, acted or not acted upon. But nevertheless, you know, there were feelings and emotions that we once had that were just no longer as strong as, as they used to be. So it's almost like, you know, these sort of analogies that I've heard over the years. And, and, and this is actually directly from, from my clients. So, you know, like Rami, I feel li- like a honeybee who, who used up its one and only sting. And actually for me, when I reread that, I was like thinking like, do honeybees actually just have, have one sting? I'm not 100% sure. that I grew up actually knowing that or believing that at least, but I'm not 100% sure if that's actually true. Um, it, it may certainly be. Um, of course, these days, sometimes you just you question things for the sake of questioning them. Or for example, you know, I'm like a lizard who, who lost its tail, right? And that I've retracted like under these rocks and, you know, I just don't go out as much. And in this particular case, the tails analogy or the bee sting analogy, you know, it's just these emotions, you know, th- this, this, this feeling of just being your core self, your true self, just being out there, you know, ha- having felt this way over time, it's not that they were totally unhappy. Um, it's not that they totally, you know, or, or depressed in any way. It was just that, you know, I don't really show these things as much as I used to. You know, I, I used to, you know, laugh a lot harder. I used to feel that, you know, or I used to get emotionally charged about a particular subject. I, I no longer do so. You know, I used to really, really care about a particular subject and a topic. And it used to really, really resonate with me. No longer the case. It's not that I'm not interested in it, Rami. It's just that I don't feel such strong emotional attachment to it anymore. And that happens for, a multi- for multiple reasons, right? Like our values change over time course, you know, we talk about that a lot, you know, specific events take place that make us feel differently towards one thing or another. And really just comes down to many of our experiences, right, that led us to feel a particular way at one point in time. And then we realize, you know what, we shouldn't feel so strongly about this. It's, It's not doing us as good as we thought it was going to do. Or you know what, this really isn't going to get us to the place we actually want to be in our lives. And we should be maybe focusing on something else and sort of not, not completely being dismissive over these emotions, but at the very, very least, you know, not allowing them to be so prevalent in, in our minds. And so, you know, wh- where did these emotions go, though? And I think a lot of us ask those questions. If you actually th- really think about it, especially now as we sort of get closer to the end of the year, like, where, do, where did these emotions go? Like, where did they go? And for some of you, you're like, Rami, those emotions are still here, you know, and, and if that's the case and, and you're okay with that, um, that is absolutely wonderful. For some of us, we're thinking like, I wish these emotions could actually go. I don't want these emotions, Rami. I wish what you're saying could happen to me with other emotions that I tend to experience all the time that I know are just not good for me. But in our particular case today, you know, we're going to be talking about the social self as it relates to our careers and our professions, but emotions that are actually quite good for us, you know, emotions that are actually resonating in a way that skew towards a sense of realism and, and for some, a sense of euphoria, right, that we no longer experience. You know, a, a, lot of, a lot of us in this particular case, you know, wish we had more of those. I mean, who, who, want, who wouldn't want more emotions that actually bring out much more eu- euphoria in our lives, right? You know, but most of us here, at the very, very least, want that option, right? Like, I wish I, I, I could access these emotions more often, in the very, very least, you know, or, or I would love it if I could actually experience them again. You know, we once talked about 
in our time with one another on emotional suppression. But this certainly is not that. This certainly is not that. This is just about, you know, the social self that we've developed over time and, and one that's actually been influenced heavily by, you know, our experiences, right? And so when I talk about like our social self, for those of you that have been with me over the years, you know, you know that I'll talk a lot about Adam 1 and Adam 2, you know, our core self versus our social self, you know, our, our, our authentic true self versus this molded self. There's different ways of describing this over time. And psychologists have actually done this several times and have studied this, you know, like we are actually born with these natural things about us, right? I mean, we can't get over that. But then over time, we become a much more social animal and we understand the implications of doing one thing over another, you know, something yielding a positive outcome for us, whereas other things yielding a more negative one. Or for example, early on in our, in our lives, you know, the possibilities were endless in what it is that we wanted to do with ourselves. And we felt a sort of energy and emotional charge towards them. And now, you know, many of us in our careers, we think about like, you know, well, can't really do those things that I, that I thought I was going to do. Um, at least it doesn't feel that way, Rami. You know, if I were to do this now, I know it sounds like great, but I mean, what's going to happen along the way? Am I going to lose the, the quality of life that I've built for myself and my family? I can't lose that now. You know, I've, I've got to be a lot more measured here. And I'm deliberately using that word again in my, in my response, specifically my emotional, my emotional response. But our social self, right? I mean, this is a very, very interesting topic that'll just never get old. You know, how we've actually been molded. Like even times like this in this digital transformation where we're all at home, or most of us are, you know, many of us are, are, are in lockdown. You know, we're, we're, on, we're on digital, virtual, calm calls like every single day. Uh, you know, Zoom fatigue is real, of course. You know, all of these things that take place. And so we, we, we tend to sort of like lose touch with our core self ever, ever so more frequently. And that's, and that's sad, right? And that's sad only because if we were actually conscious about it, that would be one thing. But, you know, being a shadow of our former self emotionally, of course, is not a strength. It's actually, you know, one thing that I would argue prevents uh, fragility uh, more, more than it is as a strength. And, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But our social selves, again, here are, are, are influenced by our experiences, our experiences of adversity, the times that we've had that are quite difficult and challenging in our lives, the times where we felt that we had to do an enormous sacrifice in order to achieve something, whether this was growing up, going through college, you know, progressing in your career, um, getting a promotion, leading a team, transitioning into a career that you felt was truly, truly, truly aligned to you. Right? Uh, we had to go through a lot of sacrifice, a lot of challenges, a lot of adversity, a lot of no's, a lot of ghosting, a lot of closed doors. And yet, you know, over time, you know, things tend to open up or things tend to look a lot more like they should look versus what, you know, we thought at times, you know, what wasn't, wasn't possible. And so this idea of adversity in our lives, right, that we overcame definitely shape our social selves, our accomplishments, our achievements, you know, they, they shape us for who we are today, right? I mean, if, if I were to go out and give every single one of you an award for something, right, and that award had an, a label associated with it, you may be asking yourself like, wow, you know, if this is what I'm represented as, I should manifest that self even more so in my day today because I'm being rewarded for it, right? If we're recognized for things like at work, right, well, we tend to sort of strive to continue to be recognized by that because, you know, we get that emotional validation from other people, 
uh, were judged positively, right? And then we feel like we have much, much stronger of a sense of purpose in things, right? And so we're molded here again in our social way of life much more than we actually ever thought we were going to be, just mainly because of these experiences. But what happens over time, right, when we have this idea of adverse experiences and then this accomplishing or achieving sense of experiences, over time, for some reason, we lead to a lot of apathy here. And apathy in this particular case, you know, just just losing that particular interest or enthusiasm in things. Or, for example, not worrying about things as we once did. And so this is sort of like the molding of our social self that I believe we should recognize and talk about amongst ourselves in the very, very least. Many of us actually try to get closer to our core self by doing activities that just make us feel those emotions that we typically would not feel in our social setting. So some of us do that through exercise. Some of us do this through meditation, through readings, to taking trips, to interacting with other people, tasting different foods and experiences, right? All of those are actually generating emotions that are aligned much more with our core self. And that's a freaking beautiful thing. If you were to just recognize that, you know, the reason why you were doing those things is actually to get closer to your core self. It's like, it's almost like your body in some way, your emotions, your heart, your mind, they're like fighting back in some way where, you know, I want to get back to more like the primal sort of like feelings that I love to experience in my life. And I'm unable to do so socially, or at least I'm only measured in doing so socially that I want to do other things that bring me actually closer to that. And yet, you know, it's no surprise then that many of us actually feel a sense of apathy towards, you know, our, our emotions today. Um, and so I just want to make sure that I sort of drive this point home because, you know, when we are growing in our careers and all of you listening to me today want to continue to grow yourself personally and professionally, and that is an absolutely wonderful thing. But if you're unable to get closer to these core emotions that you had or once had, still have, maybe less amplified than you would like, you know, we're actually losing our ability to have impact and influence over time. You know, we're losing that sting, that the honeybee sting, the, the, the tail of, of that lizard. You know, we're losing that and we're, we're becoming a shadow of what could be the, the more fuller version of ourselves. The one that actually just shows up, the one that's not afraid just to be who they are after establishing such great positive intent. And that's very, very important for us as we continue to grow. I mean, because many of us may think that you know, we're, just, we're just maturing in our emotions. I mean, that just may be the case, right? Now, you know, we don't react as we once used to. We don't say yes right away. We think about things. We don't sort of like, you know, take something for what it is immediately until we, you know, think about it, measure it in some way, draw it up on a whiteboard, write it out in a journal and say like, am I really feeling this way? Should I really take this decision? What is this going to look like for me? Don't confuse that with, you know, your ability to feel these raw emotions that are just so beautiful, that are just such a huge part of you, that just make you unique. I mean, we can't argue with that, you know, for, for one second. And what I, what, I, what I want to share with you today is just you being able to uh, embrace those things and understand that, you know, it, it's those core things that are going to contribute to your personal branding, 
It's those core things that are going to allow you to have more impact and more influence as a leader, if that's what you aspire towards. It's those core things that are going to continue to compass and guide you, you know, towards an aligned career for yourself. So those emotions that we once had, it's like, I have to like think about this, right? Like we once had, you know, try tapping into those again. Try creating experiences for yourself where you can amplify those emotions so that you can feel much more present and deliberate in what it is that you do. And make no mistake about it, you know, being stale in your emotions is not a strength, right? Stale is frail. Um, that's, that's the way, you know, I, I take something like this as it relates to you. So, while some of us need to be very, very measured in our emotions. I mean, if you're a neurosurgeon or you're a doctor and you're performing something, you definitely don't want somebody emotional coming in. You may not want a doctor coming in to see you and being so hyped up and extroverted and so emotional as they're about to operate on you. Of course, you want someone who's actually measured, right? Those, those slow, steady hands, you know, making sure that you're going to be okay, of course, right? If you're going to jump on a plane, you want someone who's measured there as well, right? But that, that is a version of a social self that is necessary, right? To live out a particular passion of an individual. I want you to think about those necessary emotions for yourself, just like that pilot, just like that neurosurgeon, just like that, you know, whomever it is, whether it's a plumber or a neurosurgeon or a, or a pilot, you know, it's, it's that sort of level of deliberately tapping into emotions that will serve your career, your life personally and professionally in a very, very positive way. So remember, stale, being stale is not a strength unless it's an absolute necessity here. I mean, some of those vocations that I described, it's actually frail. It's you actually tricking yourself to believe that having a much, much more measured sort of response in your life as it relates to your own personal emotions may in fact be good for you. And it may be the case in certain situations, but if you're unable to tap into that rawness of emotions, that's where you'll really be hurting yourself because we just lose touch. We lose touch with ourselves and, and we do so, so much more easily these days, right? We just become in many ways, like everyone else, because you know we don't want to take risks on how we're going to be judged. We don't want to take risks on, you know, putting in a lot of effort towards something that may not yield a positive outcome that we intended. There may be several things that are preventing us from amplifying those raw emotions, or in fact, even just being able to tap into them as we once did. And I want to make sure that you're clear on that. You understand that. Um, and you understand the power of, you know, going back and, under, and, and really tapping into those things that are just so wonderful and unique about you. So, you know, let's, let's just not make any mistake about it. You know, emotions help us experience life. You know, they attach meanings, right, to those experiences. And if we don't have them and we don't amplify them, well, those experiences won't be strong enough to where we can actually make a particular transition or a change we're looking for in the future. Apathy and emotion, you know, inhibit us from, from those experiences. And what I, what I wouldn't want and what I would only encourage you to do is for you to understand and, and recognize that, you know, the amplification of our emotions, you know, they may, they may provide a greater risk for us, right? Or, or, or an extreme version of something that, you know, we once had that is no longer there. And that obviously can be judged negatively, but, you know, we end up becoming just this one and the same, just like, like everybody else. 
only because, you know, we have suppressed these things over time, um, or we have, in fact, labeled it as being measured over time, right? Um, having a sense of apathy towards those emotions just make us a little less unique, right? And we actually feel a lot less unique. And that's why it becomes so much harder for us to position ourselves in such a compelling way in conversations that we actually lose this sort of sight of where am I going? You know, what is my unfair advantage? Like, where is my self-image? You know, how can I really just understand what my personal branding is when for so long, you know, I have just been so, um, you know, calm and measured over time. And although I haven't progressed in the way I've, I've wanted to, but you know what, things are actually stable for me. And that just may be good. But you know what, I, I truly do believe that over time, you know, we'll end up feeling things that we haven't felt before. And if they're not aligned with our core self, and we're not living out a more truer, more fuller version of our core self, those feelings and emotions don't lead us to a happy place. And if anything, they just lead us, you know, to a very, very measured place. One where the waters don't get choppy. One where we stay at dock, we stay at bay and we don't venture out. One where we sort of just get way too comfortable with certainty in our lives, even though it's not great versus going out and venturing out and doing uh, things that we typically would not have done had we not been sort of just so aggressively in pursuit of our goals. And that is where all the joy actually comes in. That's where the learning comes in. That's where the confidence comes in, as we actually spoke about not too long ago, right? It's understanding that, you know, I'm not going to get this right. You know, I may, but I may not. But being closer to my true self, just being who I am, well, you know what? That's going to make me feel so much better about this, no matter what the outcome is going to be. Right. I know that, you know, there's going to be a good chapter to my life, irrespective of, of what's going on right now. Right. I know that if I continue to focus on what makes me truly, truly unique, what my true unfair advantage actually is, that I'm going to find a place that's going to work out for me. It may be difficult at first. It may be difficult at first, but I'm going to continue down that path. So no matter what's going to happen with my interactions moving forward, I'm just going to continue down that path of aligning myself, my core, my true self to things that, that I want for myself, that I know that I do in fact deserve. And it just happens like every time. Like I, I, I see this so often, especially when, you know, for those of you in the program or have worked with me on, on career transition, you know, when we talk about you know, uh, our driving forces, right? And, or psychological readiness. You know, there's like this heavy, heavy list, this heavy burden of things that we've been experiencing for far too long, right? And now we've made this decision to change that up, right? To do something so radically different for ourselves, something so radical, but in fact, it's actually something that is, that is only what we deserve. It's actually, it's just, all it is is just being aligned to us. But we may think it's actually radical because we've been doing something in such a stale and frail fashion for so long, right? And so that bothers me, right? As your coach, of course, it bothers me so much and it bothers me when we're not actively working towards that. But I find that, you know, the more we can actually leave an impression, a very positive impression with others, is actually tapping into some of those unique attributes about ourselves that just make us so beautiful, make us so wonderful, make us feel so much more alive and excited and passionate, right, about what it is that we do, recognizing that first, 
we must be so passionate about who it is that we are. And so, yes, this is a version of me asking you to celebrate yourself, to really just get back down to the basics. You know, I get ticked when I see this, when I experience this. This excites me. This is where, you know, I'm joyful. I'm laughing. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm content while I'm doing this. This is what makes it happen for me. This is what gives me that greatest sense of fulfillment, that greatest sense of significance and allows me and enables me and empowers me to give value that comes as a result of that. And that's that's the beauty of all this, right? You know, I, I just, I feel sometimes that, you know, we celebrate conformity in ways as if it's, you know, it, it's something that, you know, we've just learned to live with, just it is what it is, right? It's like that Lego movie. If for for any of you that's actually have actually watched that movie, it's like that song, like everything is awesome when when it may not actually be awesome, right? We're just we're trying to condition our minds to believe that everything is awesome when it actually may in fact be incredibly awesome. But if there is this feeling that you have uh, where you're you're not understanding sort of why it is that you feel a particular way today or 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 unable to feel a particular way today when in fact that feeling and that emotion you know has so much meaning and significance for you it's actually what what's led to where you are today in so many ways well then i i think here in this particular case you need to start asking yourself these questions asking yourself how can you get much closer to these emotions that you once felt that were so powerful and so great, you know, and, and now, you know, uh, obviously we're, we're struggling to get close to that. So I, I, for those of you that truly believe, by the way, that, oh, that Lego analogy that everything is awesome, I can't tell you how happy I am for you. Um, that is amazing. I mean, for me, I feel that every single day when I'm interacting with you, I mean, that's the most beautiful feeling in the world, of course, because that's when truly everything is awesome, when we're actually contributing in a way that is aligned uh, to ourselves. And so, you know, I want you to define yourself before the end of the year again. And yes, define yourself. And if you're taking notes here, or I've been taking notes throughout, um, great. If you're if you're not, you know, uh, you know please write this down or, or just remember this, you know, in, in, a, in another recording or, or whenever it is you choose to go back to this. But, you know, define yourself. You know, who are you today? Know who you are today, right? Ask yourself, who are you today, right? And who do you need to be? We've talked about this before, right? But this is the great, great time for you to actually do this all over again. You know, ideate an experiment and then compare them to what it is that you've done before, right? So if you've done this before, great. Compare what you're doing now to what it is you wrote before and see if it's, if it's actually aligned. So yeah, so, so who are you today? You know, define yourself, right? Who do you need to be? And, and what do you need to let go of. What do you need to do more of next year? What do you need to do more of next year? What do you need to do less of next year? Write, write those things down. Like seriously, just write those things down. It's just an amazing thing to actually do because once you do that, you can start thinking about like, well, if it's about emotions here, what activities yield those emotions for me? So rather than planning for those events, you can actually start planning for those emotions. And I think that's an amazing thing. It's a different sort of unconventional way of looking at things. And I've talked about this over the years, of course, but planning for emotions, right? Plan for feeling those emotions that we were talking about earlier. So if I want to feel more excited next year, that would actually be my goal. It wouldn't be going to the gym. 
It wouldn't be getting promoted. It wouldn't be getting positive responses. Those would be the outcomes, but my goal is to feel more excited. My goal is the emotion. That's my goal. And that's the goal that I strongly suggest that you sort of partake in. Because, you know, when we read all these things online and uh, we read all these like self-help books, which, which obviously, you know, I do, of course, as well, you know, there's like this basic sort of like structure, like, you know, let's make it so easy to plan for a goal. Let's, you know, pretend that all of these other factors and all of these other influences along the way, well, you know what, they're not going to be there. You know, planning for a particular goal at a particular point of time, while it may be reasonable and logical and wise, at times, you know, it, it really just doesn't take account for life. You know, so imagine we were, you know, last year here at this point in time, in 2019 instead of in 2020, and we were making these plans for ourselves, these actual goals. Well, where on earth are they now? Right. Where on earth are they now? Because of everything that's actually taken place. You know, it doesn't have to be that extreme, you know, with, with the coronavirus. But, you know, there are other events that are going to take place. They're not as massive and as destructive as something that we're experiencing today. But they certainly are massive in nature that could take place you know, next year. They could be these external events that just change things up for you. It could be an external event that happens not in your life, but in your client's life that affects your goals, right? It could be a change of economy, right? Which, which now we're seeing, right? This digital age, this new digital age, right? It could be, you know, a change in technology, right? It, it could be so many things, right? That are going to impact the way we plan for things, uh, the, the impact our ability to achieve our goals. You know, how many new things keep coming up? You know, this year, I mean, was it the year of like TikTok or something? I mean, I, I can just tell you, like, I'm, I'm amazed by all of these like new technologies that come up that all of a sudden are just even more addictive, right? That may, in fact, allow us to manifest ourselves and express ourselves in digital form, which is a wonderful thing. But many times they actually make us lose our sense of self because we're looking at life through the lens of others, Right. But any, I'm not going to go sort of like get off on that tangent. Let's just go back to what, what could actually change. It just could be a change in technology, which is most likely going to take place year after year, right? And so all of these changes can influence our ability to achieve our goals. And I'm asking you, instead of actually having a goal itself, plan for the emotion first. Plan for the emotion first. Because when I'm planning to be happy and I'm not, what's the opposite of that? That's typically like, oh, well, if I'm not happy and the opposite of happiness, what is it like depression? Well, you know, yes, it may be. But at the very, very least, you know, I'm planning for happiness here. And if I'm going to go into a depressive state or a sad state, I'm, I'm more inclined, you know, to actually want to do something about it because I'm striving for happiness. And maybe happiness is something that doesn't work for you. Like, Rami, that's just too fluffy. Well, if that's the case, then plan for being excited, you know, because if we're not excited, what's the opposite of that? right? It's actually being quite bored, isn't it? And that's the opposite of being excited. But when we're actually bored, perhaps then we're actually more inclined to do something that is exciting in nature. So, so plan for those emotions, because when we plan for the emotion itself, those naturally aligned activities start to organically take place. We, we, they just follow us through, 
right? It's like, you know, when we say passion is the genesis of genius or passion, which is a Galileo quote, of course, or, or, or you know, passion puts perfection in the workplace, which I think is an, is an Aristotelian quote, right? What is that, right? All that is, is, you know, a lot of us have just focused on the passion. We want to feel passionate towards something. That's the goal. We want to feel passion. We want to get back that raw emotion we once felt about our lives um, that we felt that we could do. And so we, we want to plan for being passionate about things. That in itself will organically generate activities that align to it. And I say this, you know, based on Rami's practice, Rami's experience. And it's if you heard like a vibration, that's actually me, you know, passionately putting my hand to my chest, like you know, raw emotions, raw passion, you know, towards, you know, generating activities that are just organically aligned to it. And so if we plan for that, we have a much stronger likelihood of getting closer to those goals that we actually intended for, right? So if we want, for example, next year to plan for getting promoted or transitioning in our career, right? What does that actually mean emotionally to you? What does it mean emotionally to you? And I want you to actually take that, write that down, and then start thinking about activities that may align to it. Not that you're actually planning to do those activities, but just to keep them in mind, because when we plan for the emotions, you know, those activities, you know, they may take a little bit of time when you first think about them, but I can promise you, if you spend like five to 10 minutes just thinking about activities that align with those emotions, more and more things will come up. More and more things will come up. In fact, I found that, you know, my clients will spend like 20 to 30 minutes just thinking about, you know, what sort of activities would align with that emotion. Then all of a sudden, just things start to open up. And when they start opening up, what, what's actually happening is we're getting closer and closer to our core self, like our real true sense of self, like our authentic self, our ideal self, right? And we are slowly sort of extracting or excuse me, well, yeah, I guess that's a good word to use, like extracting ourselves from our social self in a way where we see ourselves socially from a lens of, you know, our core self. So I know that I need to act in this particular way and do these particular things to maintain some sort of equilibrium for my life. But I know deep down inside that this is how I truly feel. This is where my passions are. And this is what I really truly want to be doing. And so I'm going to be using what I'm doing today to support the narrative of what I want to do in the future. Um, and that's just, it's an incredible thing when we actually put that into practice and it can just happen organically. Uh, it doesn't have to happen so deliberately other than deliberately planning for the emotion that it is that you want to feel for yourself. And I just think it's such a liberating and, and a beautiful thing to do and it has tremendous impact on our lives, not just professionally, but personally in nature as well. You know, uh, planning for that sense of excitement, uh, planning for that sense of joy, uh, planning for that sense of whatever it is you're planning for. You know, I, I think, you know, w w you'll find that it gets us closer to amplifying those emotions that some, in some way we're, we're just lost we're just lost. They've, they've, they've kind of like been in the shadows, right? They've been in the shadows in some way. I want those to come out. I want those to come out. I know you want those to come out. And so let's just make sure that we found a sort of like strategic way forward in order to make that happen uh, much faster than we ever thought was possible. And I, obviously I wouldn't be, you know, here and speaking to you today had I not seen this and believed this uh, for, for myself and for my clients, for you, right? For you, it's possible. And I know you can do it for yourself. You know, just get closer 
to, to being yourself, your, your core self. That Dennis the Menace quote that I've mentioned several times, you know, the best thing that you could do is get really, really good at being you. And that's, and that's exactly what I want for yourself. You know, I, I just want that for you because I know that when we get closer to being ourselves, uh, when we get closer to tapping into these core emotions that have defined us for such a long period of time in our lives, right, actually get us closer, closer to our goals. You know, whether it's in our next meeting or informal conversations, an actual interview in itself, you know, focus on those things. And that's part of the themes that we have in our program, right? Defining those themes. Uh, but those themes, in many ways, are just themes. They're just text. They're just words, unless you're actually associating emotions to them. It's like almost like tricking ourselves to smile more, right? So then we can actually feel much happier along the way. It's the same thing here, right? When we actually attach emotions to the things we actually want to do, well, I mean, we're actually going to feel those things. And if we feel those things, they will actually get us closer to the goals we've set out for ourselves, you know, from, from the get-go. So, so please think about this. You know, like I, I'll say that, you know, with, with plenty of the interactions that I've had with my clients, with you, you know, one-on-one, you know, we become so much more stale in, in what it is that we actually feel. And a lot of that is just to protect ourselves uh, from being judged or, or, or actually protecting ourselves from, you know, setting ourselves up for failure. Um, but you know what? It, it's that failure that actually defines so much of your success. It's feeling that emotion and seeing it in action that has defined who, who you are today, right? That has allowed you to associate so much pleasure in your experiences and for some of you, so much pain as well. But those are the things, those are the things that we need to continue to learn, uh, to continue to grow to continue to prosper and to continue to make an impact in other people's lives, a positive impact at that, right? At the very, very least, a positive impact for ourselves. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal and immersive level, please visit my website at ramibalut.com and schedule a 45 minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit RamiBalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?